in five, four, three, two, one. Let's get this mother. Can you give us your view as to whether or not there is a housing bubble out there? Well, unquestionably, housing prices are up quite a bit. I think it's important to note that uh, fundamentals are also very strong. Very strong. What? Listen now. Oh yeah. Mr. Chan, how are you doing today or tonight, this late night? How are you doing, Mr. Chan? Ricky, I am great. Very happy and excited to talk to you in this late, late hour on Sunday when we're recording. I know, I know. You know, in the context of things, and you know, in general, I'm doing all right, but I'm also not so happy. You know, a lot of bad things are happening in the world, and I feel a little bit enraged. I know it's an intense word to use, but it, it, I'm not happy, really. I, I, I know. I'm not really happy. Like, it makes me really happy to talk with you, you know, and I kind of get disconnected a little bit from the grand scheme of things. But realizing how society is deteriorating as time passes really pisses me off because I really believe in the fundamental potential of human beings and just see that right. crippled away because some people don't really think about matters, get carried away by emotions and don't think about issues as much right. as they start to be thought of. Society starts to crumble. But at the same time, it just really pisses me off when you start to realize and some people might think that I'm crazy, and it's fine, that all this is designed to a certain extent, that there are people who are actually maneuvering everything and actually want certain horrible things to happen in order to reach power. I know it sounds insane, but it is true once you start really analyzing history, not just seeing it as mere facts, and you start realizing that it is actually promulgated by people who have ends and unfortunately, those ends may not be the ones that you and I chair, Mr. Shan, which is probably to play video games, <sighs> having a good time, and leaving people be. But unfortunately, there's some right. other efforts who want to see the world burn, as the joke right. said. Some people just don't want money. They want to watch the world burn. Yeah. But anyways, with that intro, there's a lot of things that have happened, Mr. Shan. <laughs> that was quite the intro, Rick. I don't think we've ever had such an emotionally charged. And I know what you're talking about. I know what you're referencing. And we will get to it maybe later on in, in our recording. But... I really feel where you are on this because there are a lot of things happening. Uh, yeah. We had Orlando. We had Joe Cox. With the Brexit, I mean, that's huge. It's huge. It's massive. And we're, we're going to touch on that too later. You yeah. know, people don't worry about that. We're going to touch on it. So, you know, Ricky, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about first? Do you wanna... I mean, I just uh, want to give context to why there's so much emotion. I mean, right now, the reason why I totally wanted to record is because I was trying to find a book that I could really sympathize with my feelings. And unfortunately, I, although there are a bunch of great writers, there wasn't one that I could think at the top of my mind, I'm not saying that they're on, that could give me that emotion behind the rationality. Sometimes when you read a lot of this stuff, it's just too plain and bold. Like it's just, mm. you say a verbatim and you believe in the market or whatever, but you forget about the passion, the emotion behind it, which is what sure. human dignity is. But just to start off with that, I mean, maybe, uh, <laughs> I don't know, Mr. Chan, you guide me because right now, <laughs> so you well, guide you know, me. I think we can we can ease our way into this by starting because right again this is all connected to the debasement of the currency right exactly. debasement of the medium of exchange. Why don't we start with the Fed? So last week the Fed came out FOMC minutes and surprise surprise <laughs> what happened? Well, you know the Fed had actually decided to raise rates. Not <laughs> psych psych. Now the Fed. As you and I predicted, we gave it an 85% probability this happened, 15% just because of BS happening in the world, which I guess, you know, adds a little oh, bit of right. our perspective openness. Yeah, if you're going to, I think if you're going to objectively analyze the world, you have to leave open possibility for these sorts of events, right? Like we were talking about December, 
when they hiked rates, and that was unexpected. That was a, that was unexpected. You've got to leave room for these sorts of outcomes. Exactly. But uh, the Fed decided not to raise rates, and they claimed properly that uh, economic conditions are such to raise rates, which was sort of interesting. It's some sort of implicit uh, admission. And people even well, – I saw an article at the Wall Street Journal starting oh. to admit the fact that maybe the Fed's policy haven't worked. Of course, it's the Wall Street Journal, a little bit more conservative, but quote-unquote conservative. And I mean, who really is going to tackle the Fed besides Zero Hedge? Yeah, I don't know if you've read the same article. I, I saw something else by Greg Ipp. He's like an economics correspondent for Wall Street Journal. And the title was really preposterous, okay? Because it said, maybe it's a good thing that the Fed missed its chance to raise rates. Wow. What does that, what does that even mean? I mean, the fact that we have not had rate normalization tells you everything you need to know about the state of this economy. Exactly. You, if you cannot return to normal rates, that means that your economy is still on life support. It definitely. It definitely. Right? I mean, it's just amazing that our economy is addicted to 0% interest rates. I mean, and what fascinates me is that by you and I recently reading uh, history, because we're reading The uh, Age of Inflation in France, which is yes, a great yes. book. Excellent. Rec- Fiat money inflation in France. Exactly. Which I recommend to everybody. It puts everything in perspective that sometimes people think that the laws that govern the universe can be negated by our perception by our perception i mean reading the book the people are actually oh no there's like a certain promoters of the money and they're saying oh because 70 years ago john law promoted this the reason why it failed is because it was a complete monarchy and it wasn't a constitutional represented by the people therefore it's not going to work but when you start realizing that what you're actually doing is negating a law of nature you're bound to fail and although the market has not caught up to this i am super confident that what is going to happen is going to happen eventually i know it because the laws of reality cannot change by us dictating it to change reality primes our perception you know yeah i'm not sure if it was the last podcast or the podcast before but you said what we're going through right now is the greatest most extreme monetary experiment we've probably ever seen in the history of of humanity and that's spread between perception and reality and testing the laws or you know see how far we can go disobeying the laws of nature essentially uh i agree with you i see this as an inevitability you know i get a lot of questions okay well aaron when do you see this happening and really it's really it's hard and it's difficult to to say and i i will admit i don't know because you don't know Right, the the world global economy is a complex system, and having these sort of tipping points or or events that completely change the system, it's hard to predict, right? But at the same time, you know that these are the conditions, and you you just mentioned this book, we're reading it. History is just rife with examples of past mistakes that we try to do the same thing. So. In my view, it's an inevitability. It's it, is, it is a complete inevitability, and it just surprises me how people do not realize this. I mean, it's just people have been fooled. They really have been fooled, and I say it with strong certainty. I do, and I don't care if you may not call, if you can call me arrogant or any anything. But people have been misled to think that paper is money. And I know I've said that theme a lot and a lot, but I want to emphasize it, just how the media emphasizes like certain shootings and emphasizing things down your throat. I want to emphasize the fact that people don't realize that paper is not money. And we are going to suffer the consequences of us thinking that. But the sad thing is all that probably was designed for us to go through all this and have all these economic courses that tell you that paper is actual money. But now getting back to the Fed. It's interesting to see the reaction of gold, which is our indicator of reality, mm. to these uh, minutes 
I I would not be surprised if there was some sort of pullback, but the long-term trend, I think, as I told you recently, we were having mm-hmm. a conversation, mm-hmm. is that we're in a bull market. Because although we're reaching lows, those are higher lows than previous lows. That's right. And that's, by definition, what a bull market is. So it's just interesting how people are slowly starting to understand the real situation of the U.S. economy, how fragile it is, how it is worse than what it was in the previous 2000 calamity, 2001 calamity, when Alan Greenspan lowered rates to 1%. And that was in a really rough situation. But imagine now, we can't even go to 1%. We can't. Yeah. We can't. Go negative? Implode. We implode. <laughs> we implode. So this is, I am really fascinated that I am alive in this time and I can conceptualize because what, unfortunately, what we are going to live is going to be a historic proposal, oh. Mr. Chan. It is. Oh my goodness. You know, Ricky, as much as we talk about this stuff and think about it, the gravity of the situation and the eventual unfolding of this house of cards, it, it causes me to shudder. And I don't know, you know, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine about the rise and falls of civilization. And when you look at these examples, there always, there always comes a point where when society or the civilization fall, uh, you know, it, it goes down or, or suffer some kind of setback, people need to determine whether it's worth rebuilding or not. Right. So in the next calamity, you know, if say if the United States were, were to have like another 1929 or another Great Depression, I mean, do you I'm not sure if people will want to I don't know what the state of the world is going to be like at that point. But I think it's, it's, it's important to ask, like, do you think people will actually go through the effort of trying to rebuild society again? I don't know. I do think so, because at the end of the day, there's people who thrive. Whether or not it's going to be the United States, that's a different question. But, you know, ultimately, all I hope, I really do hope, is that this turmoil gets limited to just economic conditions and not social, political, and war-related issues, which I think that is what's going to happen. Yeah, but they're, 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 right, you're exactly right. And they're all connected. Yeah. Right? We're seeing, when we think about the debasement of currency, we also read about the debasement of morals, the debasement of society, the debasement of culture, right? We read in, this, in the fiat money book that uh, a huge speculating class emerged as a result of this paper printing. Yeah. I mean, what does that sound like? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, not now. This doesn't happen now. I mean, we live in a – we're perfect. I mean, all that stuff is old. That never happens again. I bet you do think that sometimes people have that perception of history that when they read it, in the current time, that's just old barbaric stuff. Oh, they didn't know what they were doing, you know? But they don't realize that they're actually seeing history repeat itself. And it's uh, it's fascinating. But um, Very sad. Well, it is. It is very sad. And what's also very sad, even though, I mean, it's not necessarily I agreed with this politician, is the fact that uh, – what's her name? Uh, Jamie Cox, right? Joe Cox. Joe Cox, sorry. The Labor, Labor Party MP in yeah. – yeah, it is very sad that she got assassinated. I mean, I haven't read really into the details of the intentions of the person that killed her, whether or not it's related to political ties or not. But whether or not I agree with her that uh, she was for Britain staying in Europe, I do still think it's sad that a politician of her degree had, had was assassinated. I mean, I believe any assassination, any assassination is evil. But the point is, it's very sad, but what's also very sad is that the repercussions of this tragedy immediately were taken by the uh, group of people who want to stay in Britain as a political capital. And that's just very sad. That that's shows right. you 
how low politics has gotten that instead of somebody actually really lamenting the death of a former colleague, they're using it as political capital in order to reach their political ends. You know, it's just Game of Thrones really is nothing for real life. It's small. <laughs> small. Yeah, real life is definitely stranger than fiction. But Ricky, at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised either, right? If we want to understand how the world is working, we need to think from the self-interested perspective of these sociopaths and yep. these liars. Yep. Um, you know, uh, just look at the Orlando shooting, right? Um, or sorry, not even shooting; it's a massacre. Like it's a massacre, unbelievable. And and what what is talked about? Gun rights. You know, it becomes about gun rights. I mean, Ricky, I, you probably want to. I want to let you get into that because I, I think you got a lot to share. Um, but the politicization, politicization of these issues is really concerning. And if no, if people haven't seen this movie, uh, this documentary, it's a little bit longer, but it's called Brexit, the movie. Um, we have the Brexit vote coming up next Thursday, I believe. And it's going to be, a, I think, a historic... Well, we can talk a little bit more about the details but once we get there, but I, rec- I highly recommend that movie for people who would like to... Yeah, I mean, if, if we're touching the Brexit, I think we could do it now because it all eventually ties down to Absolutely. gun rights and everything is... Sure. Some way or another interconnected, mm-hmm. and I knew you were more. You knew more about Brexit than me, so I wanted to ask you, Mr. Chan, if you could give our audience who has no idea what the Brexit really is about and how mm-hmm. it came about to a certain extent. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Brexit is a referendum, uh, and it's basically a, a popular vote to recommend to the British Parliament whether to leave the European, uh, European Union or not. Um, now, England doesn't actually use like the euro, so they're not part of like the euro monetary system. Uh, but in being a part of the euro uh, or being in the EU, they have pre-negotiated trade agreements with like 52 other countries. So it saves, you know, and then you have, I don't know if they're in the Schengen region, but there are a bunch of integrations that come along with being in the EU. But you also subject to the regulations that are created in Brussels um, by the centrally planned bureaucracy. So for people, you know, they've seen their industries erode. They've, they're seeing a loss of sovereignty. And this Brexit vote is essentially um, a recommendation to Parliament. So there's nothing binding about this vote. I gotcha. I gotcha. And why would be the reasons that Britain would – you sort of hinted to this, but why would Britain want to leave the European Union? Why is this rising? Why is there a group of people who don't want to be part of the European Union? Is it because they don't want to be subject to the regulations? Yeah, well, there are many reasons, right? Um, not being subject to the regulations is definitely one of them. But maintaining sovereignty over your own trade agreements, uh, over your own borders um, – that, I think, is a, is a huge driving force, too, because uh, the, in Brexit, the movie they show, and it's, I think it's a really good way to like expose sort of the superstructure that is the, the, uh, the, the European Union. Um, they start off with this man waking up, you know, going through his regular day, and they show you for like every article or every piece of like every day, uh, you know, be it a toothbrush or a pillow, they show you the number of EU regulations that govern those things. So for something like a pillow, there are like 200 EU regulations for wow. a pillow, right? For a toothbrush is like 50. I mean, um, so Britain being in the EU, um, yes, there are some benefits that are conferred, you know, through, you know, open borders and, you know, trade agreements and whatnot. But at the same time, the EU has its own tariffs yeah. against, you know, that, uh, you know, against other imports from, 
Japan, China, whatever other country. So uh, the economic reasons are definitely a big driving force. And you can also think about it socially as well, because, you know, some Brits see what's happening in France. They see what's happening in Brussels. They see what's happening in Germany with the migrant crisis. These these, These politicians and these bureaucrats, not only are they like losing control and not protecting their own citizens, but... I mean, as you as you alluded to this earlier, they might even be like welcoming this unrest so that they can increase their power, Insane. right? Disgusting. Right. So, so you have um, the groundswell of populism that we're witnessing in, in the United States with Trump and with with Sanders. It's also it's very it's it's very similar in um, in in Britain. It you is have extreme, similar sentiments. It is extremely similar, and I think. If it were to happen, which unfortunately I don't think it will happen because the tides have sort of changed. I don't know if the tide was ever to, for Britain to exit the, Euro, uh, the European Union. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think it would be profound or the reason why this is searching up is because if Britain were to leave, then it starts some sort of impulse for other countries want to leave and it ends the whole European Union, which is against what some may want as a one world government kind of thing. You yeah. Know? You're really, I mean, you're touching on a really important trend. Uh, in Hungary, Viktor Orban, their their president is 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 a huge Eurosceptic um, and very high, you know anti-immigration. Some would call him right wing. Um, and then Germany, you've had the rise of the Alternative for Deutschland party, which is also anti-immigration, anti-migrant, um, and a Eurosceptic. Uh, you see it in Austria as well. Uh, so you know this that wave is 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 coming. It you is. know, people people are seeing. This 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 euro experiment, and they're seeing it blow up internally. So uh, it, it's totally understandable that people are nervous and like, hey, I don't want any part of this. It is very true. And you know what I found very interesting? I don't disregard the fact that there will be economic consequences if Britain were to escape the European Union. But what I do find fascinating is that the Fed – in one of their remarks has said, oh, mm-hmm. there's a possibly not raise rates because of the Brexit. I mean, if you look at gold, <laughs> when, they, oh, when boy. gold like pulled back when like they saw this whole shooting and whatever, oh, because the Brexit's not going to happen. Yep, as the markets if, rallied. The markets as, rallied. As if, as if the reason why gold was rallying was because of the Brexit thing, you know, because people thought, oh, we're going to buy gold because the Brexit is going to bring about uncertainty and blah, 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 blah. Oh, but now the Brexit is not going to happen, so we sell off gold. So that was... Very interesting, and Peter Schiff noted this. I mean, the real reason why gold rallied is because of the internal domestic issues happening in the United States, specifically monetary policy. I mean, people are starting to realize that the United States is trapped in an ongoing, endless printing, which, by the laws of nature, the more of something you have, the less you value the additional unit. And that's a law of marginal utility, if you want to put it in fancy economic terms. But it is the reality of life. Well, so, Mises, is the one, Mises said that Government's the only one that could take something valuable like paper, you know, put some ink on it and then make it worthless. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know, another point that I think it's important to stress, and for anyone who wants a little bit more sophisticated uh, and deep dive into Brexit and economic consequences, I highly recommend you check out the latest Macro Voices um, episode with John Llewellyn. Um, It's a really, really, really smart guy. He's a lot of experience and they really dive into like the nitty gritty stuff uh, in terms of Brexit and the economic consequences and even like the the impact of Brexit on oil prices. But I digress. Uh, I think one thing that people need to realize about Brexit is that it's non-binding and there's already an example of parliaments, another European parliament delaying the recommendation or delaying the acting of on a, upon a recommendation of the people. Um, 
back in March, I think in the Netherlands, there was a referendum vote on whether the EU should approach, you know, get closer to Ukraine. And even though 30, I think around 30% of the people voted, um, there, there was a resounding majority against, you know, bringing Ukraine into the EU. Um, so that was the recommendation to the, the, to the Dutch parliament, but they've delayed for two months. They have not, you know, in, you know, pushed through any legislation. Um, so these politicians, I mean, they benefit a lot from the system and they don't want to listen to their people. Um, and if you do this long enough, I mean, Ricky, we're reading about in this Fiat money book, like back then you, if you did the shit you did, they'd bring the guillotines and they'd come for your head. Um, I mean, I don't know if we're close to that kind of, I don't think we're close to that kind of situation, but you know, these, they keep pushing the button and they keep doing what they're doing to the people and they're going to storm the parliament, you know? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that people act very differently when they are in you know, situations of hard stress. I mean, those situations of people using the guillotine or whatever. I mean, just look, look back at what happened in Baltimore when there was some sort of uh, like shooting. I can't remember which one specifically. And people, police in Riots. the comment section remind me. I mean, people went berserk because they were emotionally driven and they were in situations of hard stress. I can only imagine how difficult it is going to get and the social turmoil it's going to develop. Ricky, did you see that video of... Uh, this woman completely losing her shit because her food stamps didn't work. You see that, that I, video? No, I didn't. Can you tell me more about it? Basically, it's um, it's this very, very rotund and large, uh, you know, black woman in uh, I don't know which state she's in, but the videos of her just completely trashing up the store, and the story goes that her her EBT, her um, essentially food stamps didn't work, so she just she went crazy. She went berserk. I mean, what you have here is a government zombie, Indeed. right? You have a government zombie, someone who is reliant on the state and is just, she's going, so this is like one situation. What happens, you know, and this ties into, you know, what you're saying about Baltimore, because what happens when credit cards stop working or, you know, EBT food stamps stop working or like, you know, the cash well, is not worth anything. Like, exactly. the, right, the cost benefit analysis in your head in terms of what's moral and what's right changes if you need to feed your family. It is insane. I mean, I can't, and and it scares me. And recently, I had a conversation with people telling me, "Oh, you're such a pessimist." I'm like, "No, I'm actually. I always try to look at the bright side of things, but I'm also a realist. And reality and analysis of reality tells me that unfortunately, we have a lot of people, not we, because I have not taken any part in this. Some politicians have been so reckless that the consequences which will come would be will be very unfortunate and will bring a lot of despair and a lot of sadness mm -hmm. that I wish in an alternate parallel universe that exists, that would not be the case. But unfortunately, in this universe that I am in right now, that will be the case. So the only suggestion I have to people is, you know, prepare. I'm not, I mean, I don't know how, how strong it's going to be. Maybe it's nothing epic. I hope it isn't. I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong. I strongly hope I'm Yes, wrong. me too. But I'm a type of person I like to prepare for the worst than to not be prepared for the worst. So it's just interesting. I mean, you think about this. Somebody freaked out because their EBT wasn't working. Think about when your currency doesn't work. I mean, when reading, again, the, the age of inflation in France, or inflation in France, sorry, people remembered 70 years ago. Like, the John Law thing happened 70 years ago, and still there were yeah. politicians' reference to it. I mean, yeah. we, we talk about the 1970s, and nobody cares about that. But that thing was a such <laughs> such profound proportions that people were still referencing it. It was something 70 years ago. Of course. And this is amazing. Living in the present really makes you forget about the past. And for me, it's not – I don't say, like, live in the past. No, but definitely learn from it. 
Learn. Yeah, because if you don't learn from the history, you're you're bound. You're destined to make the same mistakes. Yeah, and I'm not talking about like a hundred years ago. No, go back to Rome. Diocletian, I think his name is, or was it Diocletian, the the emperor who debased the currency and the term yeah. base comes from debasing the metals. Mm-hmm. He literally did the same things that we're now doing, but in yes. a different form. It's analogous. And look at the consequences of the Roman Empire. I'm sure that if we were to be alive in the Roman Empire, we'd be saying, no, it's going to fall. But <laughs> then, be recording a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then people, and I'd, I'd be wearing my super sexy toga, and I'd be like, no, it's going it's to go to shit. Shit's yeah. going to go to shit. And even no, this is Rome. Rome is the greatest <laughs> empire ever, blah, 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 blah. Well, Rome is the U.S. now. That's the thing about empires and empires. When people, when empires are at their top, it is impossible for them to fall, people perceive. Because they're used to that notion. And it's so hard for people to get used to something different. Yeah. But it is only those who are few who see into the future and therefore are called crazy, but then later called geniuses. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. And we've been trained to think, oh, conspiracy. Oh, you're crazy. You're not job. But that's awesome. We've been trained to think. And I don't think if you think I'm crazy. I mean – when you start really reading into this, and you start realizing how f- – I'm going to say how fucked up <laughs> the world is. You realize that things aren't as pretty as they are. I mean you said – you told me a quote, Mr. Chan, and I'll let you speak. It wasn't yours, but it was something that I was like, wow. And it went that the biggest trick that the devil played was to convince people that he no longer existed. And I believed that my whole life. I mean I think this whole – Are you believing the devil? <laughs> I mean, uh, just the representation of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was a good joke, though. Uh, but um, I, I actually believe that my whole life, and recently I'm starting to, I guess, be awoken or whatever you want to call it. But it's interesting stuff, uh, and I know I've got it on a ramp. But really, no, uh, not at it's... all. There's a lot happening, right? And and you know, Ricky, <laughs> we're we're trying to think about how all this factors in into the financial markets, and when we think about that. It's impossible not to to feel right to feel emotions, strong emotions for what's happening because these people are suffering, right? Like you, fifty people gunned down in a club, like it's, it's really. Sad. I mean, and watching this last Game of Thrones episode and spoilers, but I mean, it's just a war. It's a scene, a war scene, <laughs> and it's you know, it's very emotional because you see, you see a lot of characters that you had emotional ties die. Yeah. But that's just a show. But then when you realize there's actually a bunch of innocent people who have nothing to do with this actual Game of Thrones that happens in real life mm-hmm. get assassinated, I feel an urge and I feel so sad. I really do. But then yeah. I start analyzing the root of everything and I go back to my paper is not money theme because mm-hmm. all that is what has fomented the beast to come out. It mm-hmm. really has and it has perverted society. It has corrupted yes. society. It has turned the good to evil. And it's insane. It's insane. And to the Orlando shooting, it's just – you know, I, I, and I'm not afraid to say this, call me a notch about her, but I'm a defender of gun rights. And the thing is, I'm going to give you the two arguments. Number one, which most people think won't happen because they live in their own world and they, they think I'm crazy. I mean, look at history. Guns were actually given to you for you to prevent yourself from a tyrannical government. And yes, right. oh, no, that's in the past. That was in Britain. That's not going to happen anymore, man. <laughs> like, no, you're crazy, dude. You're not. The, the, the red codes they, don't exist anymore. No, that's not going to happen and whatever. Some people are so short-sighted. It might be that not happen in two years, three years, four years, five years, six years. But about 20, you're going to be alive in 20 years, but you're still stuck in this moment. What about 40 years? 
You'll be alive. If you have children, your children are going to be alive. What do you expect? You never know. You can't know. If you just analyze the trend of history and you seeing how our freedoms have been limited as time passes, just compound that effect with all the tragedies that are going to happen. And that's that's one of the main reasons. But then let's go to the practical reasons. Let's go to the practical reasons. Let's say I was in that gay bar, you know, having a good time with friends and shit. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. And I had a gun. You know, I had a gun. And I know it's a complex issue whether or not bars should have it, but I think it should be up for private bars to decide. But let's say for some reason I had a gun. Then the guy were to come in. If I would have simply shot him, he would be done. But how does a good person supposed to defend himself against a criminal who by definition is going to break the law? I don't care how difficult you make it for a good citizen to get the the guns. I don't care how difficult you make it. The criminal by definition, it's not going to follow that procedure. Yeah, it's criminal by definition. He will not follow that procedure. You think he's going to go and be like, oh, I probably have a criminal record. I uh, look kind of crazy. So I'm going to go apply. Okay, boom, rejected. The guy gets rejected. Now, do you think he's going to stop there? Have you heard of such thing called the black market, Mr. Chan? Have you heard of drugs? No, but that definitely sounds racist to me. Oh, yo, racist. Oh, racist. Political correctness. Islamophobia. I mean... I mean, I did, I did a piece on, on religion, on the guns rights, and I mean, on the recent trend, and I want people to read it, because I don't condemn the whole Islam religion. I condemn the specific branch of people who actually take it to a T. I mean, I'm no expert. I'm no expert on Islam. But there is a branch of that religion, mm-hmm. branch of people, who, for some reason, reading the Quran, interpret it in such a way that they think that gays should be murdered. And I do not tolerate that. Even if it is this guy does, oh, it is my God, it is my unicorn, it is my uh, purple Barney up in the sky. I don't care, you know? I will not tolerate that. But the point is, I find it fascinating, and Howard Stern recently did this, and I know mm. I'm going on a long-ass ramp. Uh, I, yeah, we, we, I think I, we, should, we should give a shout-out to one of our friends yeah. who shared that Howard Stern analogy yes. with us. Yes, and that is, uh, well, Peter Schiff did it, and also George Romania uh, he's been pretty advocate about um, uh, gun rights, and I defend that. I was thinking Daniel Sai. Daniel Sai? He shared it on my wall. No, I, I did. You did? The Howard Stern thing? Yeah, I did. Really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I thought I did. Oh, dude. Oh, that's right, because it's Sai's picture that's on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we should edit that out, but this is. No, leave of... it. It's funny. Uh, all right. People have some sort of humor. But the point is, uh, I don't know how good people are supposed to defend themselves about the people who, by definition, are going to break the law and get the guns. I don't know. You know, I, re- I want to expound on what you said about the. Um... So protecting yourself against a tyrant, you know, tyrannical government. Uh, yeah. And, you know, people say that, yeah, but that's not going to happen. And, but you know what? That's because right now you happen to be in a favored class of the government, right? What happens when you are no longer in that favored class and they turn their guns against you? Well, oh, they have helicopters and whatnot. But you know what? Like, there has to be some deterrent. You don't think the Jews would have liked to have guns in 1930s? Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, if, if you're... If a bunch of 50, you know, 50 brown shirts show up at some Jew's house trying to confiscate his property, right, and to kill him, and this guy's got a shotgun and he kills, like, two of these brown shirts, you, you, I, think, I think they might think twice next time before they go and try and fuck with these Jews. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just some, some form of you protecting yourself against somebody. I mean, how are you going to do it? How are you going to protect yourself against someone who is not bound to the law? If you're a law-abiding citizen and you follow the laws— 
but somebody by a criminal by default doesn't. How are you going to protect yourself against that? Yeah, how do you protect how? yourself? How oh, the police! <laughs> oh, the police! Where the where the fuck was the police when the freaking guy came in and killed everybody? Yeah, you, you know how do you, how do you protect yourself when the government can't even protect you? And when the government, in some instances, has been against you and has planned massacres in order to get into war. You know, like I was I was listening re- recently to like a Lou Rockwell podcast, and apparently Frank Lauda Roosevelt learned about like the Pearl Harbor and could have prevented it, but he knew that if he prevented it, he could have not gone, not gone into war. Not gone into war, yeah. It's insane. And then yeah. there's like an article, I forget the name, I even, let me see if I can pull it up really quick, but it has to do with John F. Kennedy in Cuba, that they were going to plan some sort of like planes coming into uh, the United States and as if they were Cuban and they were going to kill people. Yeah. And it's like literally planned. I, I remember saving this. What is it? Where is it? You can, oh, Ricky, let me, let me ask you, like when there's massive debts, when governments have massive debts and there's huge unemployment, how do you – what's one way that you can think of these politicians will be like, hey, you know what? This is how we can solve this debt problem. Oh, by you know, going to war. Going to war. Oh, here it is. It's called Nothing Operation new. Operation Northwoods. This is no joke. Operation Northwoods was a proposed false, false flag operation against the Cuban government that originated within the Department of Defense and the Joint Chief of Staff of the United States government in 1962. The proposal is called for the Central Intelligence Agency or other U.S. government operatives to commit acts of acts of terrorism against American civilians and military targets, blaming it on the Cuban government and using it to justify a war against Cuba. Luckily, this is me adding the luckily, the proposals were, de- were rejected by the Kennedy administration. And this is real. This is not me making it up. I wish I was making this shit up. Yeah. This is real. But anyway, yeah. Mr. Chan, <laughs> we've talked a lot. Yeah. I think we may have, this might be our one of our longer podcasts. It, it definitely usual. is, but it merits the length. And those who actually are curious enough and appreciate what we're saying will. I mean, I do this for the curious because, I mean, I find it fascinating. Recently, I posted a picture of my new cover photo of the how the financial system works. I got two likes, and it's fine, two likes. And then there's yeah. like a picture of me at like these fancy awards. I got like a bunch of them. Yeah. But I realized – I didn't feel mad, but I realized the reason why I post this is for the curious-minded. They're not that many, but at least there's going to be that Ricky. Like there's probably that young me back when I was 15 who's going to see that and going to be like, oh, what is that? And he yeah. learned. And then the whatever effect gets compounded and yeah, whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, just going back to what you're saying about living in the present kind of causes you not to think about the past. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend about what technology is uh, in terms of you know human history and where we are, and and I think the way that humans use technology right now, or the, you know, in the information age, we're like teenagers. You know, we've just you know the main usage for internet is porn. We're like basically teenage boys who just discovered, the, you know, you, you know, just discovered. Yeah. The, we're like going through puberty, yeah. and we're slaves to technology. You know, we're not masters of technology. Yeah. You know, we spend we spend our time on Facebook being distracted by trivial shit. Um, meanwhile, you know, it's the same same platform that whitewashes and scrubs, uh, you know, anything that's critical of say Hillary Clinton. Yeah. You know, like it, it's it's really this stuff goes so deep and so wide and. Ricky, as you and I wake up to this stuff, which I think we are, um, I just, you know, even if we only get two likes, we got to keep doing this because, yeah. I, well, we're not getting two likes for this. I mean, you know, I'm talking about like in general, just in general. in general. Yeah. Like it's just something we have to keep, we have to keep doing because you don't want to wake up and then wonder how you ended up in, in this like 
wasteland. Yeah, and I don't want to end in a wasteland knowing that I did nothing to prevent it. That's that's my thing. You know, if that were up to me, I'll tell you, I'd be playing Pokemon right now. I want to download the new game. I mean, the old recent new game, and I want to get Star Fox. Yeah, and play Star Fox, and I will, and I will. But the point is, is I dedicate time to this because I will not. First, I'll continue living my life, but I will not reach that wasteland knowing that I did nothing to prevent it, and at least help some people realize what was going on. And hence, that's why we do this podcast. Hence, why you work in Macro Voices. Hence, why I do these economic lecture series so that people learn. You know. But right. um, yeah. the bright side, you know, it's all a bunch of negative stuff. But our existence, the fact that we have our beliefs shows me that we will succeed in some way or another. I mean, human passion, human dignity is metaphysical. It is a fact of existence for us to try to succeed. So one way or another, it may not be in my lifetime, it may not be in my children's lifetime, we will be back to... Uh, Rational society guided by self-interest, rational self-interest, and voluntary transactions and not force. Yeah. Yeah, Well, we have to do our part to try and bring about that, you know, society. And, uh, (laughs) oh, yeah, it's, it's, I just hope that people start waking up and, as you said, that this transition is not as, not like an epic collapse, although I don't, I really, <laughs> I'm trying to end on a positive Oh uh, Yeah, yeah, we're trying to end on a positive note here, but for now, you know, guys, uh, check out Zootopia, a good movie, it touches on all this subject, you should check it out too, Mr. Chan, when you have the time, it's actually, it's like a cartoon, but it has a lot of deeper messages, fun yeah. movie. Have you seen, have you seen X-Men Apocalypse? I have not yet, should I? I was told there's a scene where Apocalypse comes, so, without giving too much away, apparently, Apocalypse sees humanity, and is like, oh my god, what a fucking mess. Like, we need to wipe this slate clean and start, like, again. Yeah. So one of the first things that he does is actually he, like, takes all the nuclear weapons and, like, sends them to space. So he disarms humanity. And I was like, holy Ooh. shit, that's a crazy metaphor, right, for what's happening. So, wow, uh, that's pretty you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out that movie soon. Maybe uh, when I come to the DR for the big party on June 30th. Hell look. yeah, we're going to party life because I'm still human. I'm going to live it. <laughs> so we're going to love it and we're going to enjoy it. But, you know, our audience people who listen to us remember to like us comment us tell me you ricky you're crazy you're freaking conspiracy theorist or whatever mr chan you don't know what you're saying just because you're now macrobots you think you know what you're saying no <laughs> tell us whatever you want we want actually you guys to engage in debates and please share this uh make us famous because then this message gets out to more people and stuff like that but uh yeah we hope you have a great night and you enjoyed this lengthy juicy podcast peace <laughs>